0: Hi, and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire, and instill fresh faith in you. We begin our new year with a theme for the year 2024, which is Set Apart. We look at how each of us who follow Jesus can live lives that are consecrated and separated for Him, both privately and publicly with His help and leading. We pray that as you listen, you would be challenged to live such a life of victory and peace. Hi Church, what a joy it is to bring God's Word to you today. As you know, we've been doing over over the past three uh, weeks, the theme of being set apart. We looked at how uh, the Triune God, um, Father, Son and Holy Spirit have set each of us apart for something very big. And today we're going to be concluding the month's uh, series um with this theme, which is we are set apart to know God. As much as the Godhead, each of them have set us apart for specific things. I believe that we have been set apart to know them in their entirety, to know them in their fullness. Uh, I love this verse from Acts chapter 17, which explains to us what God's plan was when he created the world. This is what it says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. I was reading this verse this week, and I was just reading it over and over again. because. And as I was mulling over that, this verse came to mind. And as I was reading it, I realized this: that more than anything else, the crux is this, we were created for relationship. We were created in order that we would know our Creator. He already knows us. He knows us inside out. He knows us like the back of His hand. But we were created and we were called and chosen so that we would know Him. And that is what we're going to be looking at today. Whatever you feel you have been set apart for this whole month and this whole year, I want us to begin with this focal point that we have been set apart to know God. I remember watching this Tamil movie many, many years back where there was this joke, a bunch of these guys get caught by the cops at a signal and they're trying to get out of it. And so one of the guys said, you know what? I know the IG who's one of, you know, the cops. I know this guy. And he says, Oh, really? And then he adds on the same guy says, but he doesn't know me. So many of us have this relationship with God wherein I know about God, so it's not really a relationship per se, it's more like I know about God, I know what he's capable of, I know people who know him, but that's where it will stay and we have been content with that. But God is calling us into 2024 with this place of saying, I want you to really know me. When you look at the word know in this context, when you look at it in the original, it actually means to intimately know, to know by experience. And that is what God is calling us into. He's setting us apart to know Him because only when we know Him can we live for Him? Only when we know Him does our life actually experience transformation. Until then, it's just head knowledge. It hasn't translated into our heart. It hasn't translated into our lives. And so today we're going to be focusing on two different chapters, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. And we're going to understand a little bit more on how we can better know this God. I'm going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 43 verse 10. And as I read this, I want you to allow this scripture to actually sink in. Isaiah 43 verse 10 says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. When you read this entire chapter, you kind of feel bad for God because he is almost um, giving them a reason again to turn back to him. The Israelites had wandered far. There was apostasy, there was idolatry, there was a running after other gods, worship practices had become defiled. They had become like one of their neighbours and God was planning to send them into exile just so that he would get their attention, just so that they would he would discipline them. And as they are heading into exile, as the enemy kings have come all around them, he is saying... This is who I am. I'm the one who created you. And in this particular verse, he says, you are my witnesses, my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me. Emphasize on know so that you may know and believe me. God is not asking us to believe him without a knowledge of him. He's asking us to get to know him because the more we know him, the more we believe in him. And interestingly, the only way you and I can be witnesses for him in the world is if we actually know him. Unless I know God to be my personal savior, to be my healer, to be my redeemer, only when I get to know him as my brother, my friend, my king, does my life begin to show the changes that are so evident. Only then am I of a really firm and strong witness in the world he has placed me. So it's so important to understand from Isaiah 43, we're going to go through a couple more verses following this, but there are three problems which happen, three problems that come around if we don't know God. The first thing that I foresee is that if we don't know God, if we choose not to know Him by experience, not to grow in our knowledge of Him, the first thing is that we will not perceive His works What do I mean by that? Continuing in Isaiah 43 verses 16 to 19, it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots, the horses, the army and the reinforcements together and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness And streams in the wasteland. If I don't know God, I will not perceive his works. What does that look like? lot of times in our life, it will not look like the splitting of a Red Sea moment. Our victories don't look so public. Our victories are not so visible to the whole world. But they are private victories. And if I don't know God, if I'm not in touch with him, if I'm not growing in my intimacy with him, I will miss out on what he is doing. Interestingly, I will also miss out on what he is about to do. If you look here, he's reminding them of what happened when the, when the Exodus happened. And he said the Red Sea split. You guys walked on, you know, on, on, on dry ground. There were uh, horses and chariots which were left in the ocean. And now he's saying, Guess what? I'm doing a new thing where in the middle of a barren wilderness, streams are going to flow. He was talking about the coming of his son. He was talking about restoration. He was talking about the spirit of God, which will be poured out. And the interesting thing is it doesn't look anything like this Red Sea moment. And so I want us to look at this little closely and realize that so many times we are like these Israelites. We're talking about something that happened in the past. We have moments where we felt like God abandoned us. We have moments where we think, God, you didn't answer that prayer. You didn't come through for me the way I wanted you to. I didn't see the miracle. But God is saying, wait, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? If I'm not in connection, intimate connection with God, if I'm not in communion with Him, I can miss out on what He is doing next. It is so essential that we understand that the many things that are happening in our lives right now, that's not a result of karma. That's not a result of a coincidence. No, it is the movement of a God who is alive and, and well in command, well in, in leading our lives. He is aware of everything and He is moving things for His glory, for His purposes. So many times we have looked at our life and looked at that one demotion or looked at one that rejection and thought the, the heavens fell and that God had washed His hands off. Maybe if you look at that and then you realize God was moving even in the midst of that valley, it changes your way of viewing Him. It changes the way you view His work in your life. If we don't have a relationship with God, if we don't know God intimately, the first problem is that we will not perceive His works. And that's a dangerous place to be in because each of us are right now, if you look at 2024, I believe God is transitioning a lot of us into a new season He's birthing new things. He's releasing new things. He's removing old things. And in that season, if we are not aware of his works, if we are not growing in our relationship with him, we will miss what he's trying to show us. We will miss his awesome, mighty deeds. The second thing that happens when we don't know God is that we will not discern his will for us. So often I've heard this a lot, you know, being in a pastoral capacity, many of them say, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what God's will is for my marriage. I don't know what God's will is for my career. I don't know what God's will is for my child. While that is a decent and a well-intended question, it's not a bad thing to not know God's will. It's not a terrible thing. But when we were babes in Christ, when just getting to know the Lord, it's allowed, it's understandable. But as you grow as a Christian, as you grow in maturity, as you start hearing the Lord more through His word, through His voice, You need to be able to discern His will. You can't be what you were when you just started out. There has to be growth, there has to be maturity. Isaiah 43 verses 22 to 24, this is what it says, Yet you have not called on me in prayer and worship, O Jacob, but you have grown weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep or goats for your burnt offerings, nor honoured me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings, nor wearied you with demands for offerings of incense. You have not bought me sweet cane with money, nor have you filled me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your wickedness. What is this whole thing talking about? This is God dialoguing with his people. And he says, you have not met my expectations. You have not done what I desired of you to do. You do what you please. So often when we're not in a place of knowing God's heart, of not knowing God's word, we miss out on understanding what his expectations for our life are. It's so easy to say, I don't know what God wants me to do, so I'll just do whatever I want. But the more you grow in his word, the more you're in communion with him, you become more aware of what he expects of you. You will actually feel the nudge saying, do not watch that, that's not needed. Don't send that text stay quiet, speak now. You will have those impressions very strongly the closer you walk with Him. And therefore, you know His will. You know how to respond, you know what to say, you know what not to say. And this is not carefully crafted, curated public relations. No. This is because of a deep inner work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Here is the problem. Too many of us are not spending time with God to know what's on God's heart for us. We want the easy way. We go to our pastor and say, what do you think? I have this question. Should I do this or not? If it is given to you by someone else, it becomes a rule. It becomes a regulation. But when God explains it to you through His Word, through someone trusted, it could be a, someone who's a leader even. And if it resonates with you, if something that God has already been teaching you, it re-emphasizes that. It reinforces it. And that's when you get, you know, schooled in how to actually discern His will. If you don't know God, like the people of Israel, you can get it completely wrong. You can be doing these things that seem right, that seem maybe even holy, but it could be far from reaching God's heart because you have missed understanding His will. When you know God, you know His will for your life. You can't get it wrong then. The third thing is that when you know, don't know God, the first thing is when you don't know God, you do not perceive His works. The second thing is that you could miss His will, that you won't discern His will. The third thing is you won't grasp the depths of your salvation. What does that look like? When I look at Isaiah 43 verse 25, this is what it says, I, even e- I am he who blots out and cancels your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. You know, when you make a mistake in an exam paper or in a project, most of us had a whitener. Am I right? My kids use it a lot as well. As, as used as much as a pen in our home. So what we do is we cover the mistake with that whitener and then we allow it to dry. And sometimes you can write over the whitener. Sometimes you have to leave it, you know, because it looks different. The page doesn't look as it was. Our human methods to blot out mistakes are so inadequate whereas the work that Jesus did on that cross and through the tomb changed the way we looked at forgiveness changed the way we looked at blotting he says I have forgiven and canceled your transgressions for my name's sake for my sake he does it because of who he is he does it because he's the redeemer he does it because he's the atonement he did it all And therefore, every sin has been washed clean. Imagine that. Every sin. It's not like a couple have been kept in reserve to shame us now and then. No, he says, I've forgiven you everything. The slate is wiped clean. And the problem is when we don't know God, when we're not progressively growing in our knowledge of Him, when we're not growing closer to Him, not deepening our intimacy with Him, we progressively begin to forget the depths of our own salvation. And that's when we start withholding grace from others. That's when we withhold forgiveness from others. But when we constantly are in relationship with Him, every time you open the Word, when the Word is reading you, it should leave you with this feeling of going, my goodness, if not for grace, I'm finished. God, I don't know how you decided to save me, but I'm so grateful. When you grow in your knowledge of God you begin to grasp the height, depth, and width of God's love for you. And it's hard to not live transformed by that. Too often, we live in this place of forgetting just how forgiven we are. We forget just how much grace He has shown us. We forget how much mercy has been showered upon us. But God is saying, if you know me more, you won't forget. You'll be in constant view of just how far-reaching my salvation has been. We have three kids, as you know, and each of them, because they've been with us for differing periods of time from the time they were born, they know us to a different degree. So our oldest knows us the best because he he joined our marriage soon after we got married. Within the first year, this guy was born and so he knows us really well. So Growing up, I would just have to look at him. If he's done something wrong, i I just have to look at him. I will pin him with my gaze and he'll know exactly what he's done wrong. And so he would get the hint and he would stop doing whatever it is. I didn't have to raise my voice. I didn't have to spank him. I would just look at him and he knew. Sometimes he would know there's an impending punishment. He knew us that well. Now, the second one uh, came around, our daughter. and So... I think just by virtue of being the second, uh, there was a third on the way very soon. So we didn't have much time to establish culture with her. So she just learned on the job. Now, what happened, unfortunately, along the way was our older one told her how to read our signals. They would say, oh, if they look at you like this, it means this. Um, You know, he kind of schooled her on these things, gave her these hacks. The only problem was the hacks were wrong for her. It worked for him, but she was a different child. She had different needs. She 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 would tick us off in very different ways. And so the way what he was teaching her didn't really sit. The cues she was getting were wrong. It didn't apply to her. So for a long time, she would misread the cues we gave. A couple of times in public, she would actually ask me in front of other people, Mom, why are you staring at me like that? You know, she would put me on the, uh, on the defensive. Then came along our third. And this guy is so smart. He learned off the first two guys' mistakes. So he didn't have to actually be taught culture. He just observed what they were doing, the stuff that was getting them into trouble, and he just avoided doing it. He was just learning of them. He was putting it off. But it's only over the last three years of, so I thank God for COVID that each child developed this independent relationship with us. So it was not, um, a, a, you know, a relationship that the oldest had that he kind of just passed on and said, you know, these are the hacks, be careful. But each one of them, Understood our hearts better. They understood the why behind certain rules. They understood why we say certain things, why we have certain standards, why we have certain expectations. And it was built on a relationship, everyday relationship conversations. And if we want to know God and his expectations for us, if we want to understand why he works a certain way, if we want to understand his will, it will only be, it'll only happen through a relationship. You, the cues you get of other believers and other followers of Jesus won't be enough because he's got a tailor-made relationship with you. He wants you to seek him and he will be found by you. He says, pursue me. I'm here. I'm not running anywhere. He's calling you into a personal relationship with him. You don't need to get cues from fellow believers. The cues help, but they're not everything. Nothing replaces a personal one-on-one walk with God. Now we've looked at what it looks like when we don't know God. These are the things that happen, these three things. But what is the plus point? Why should I actually pursue God? Why do I actually have to get to know Him? Is it essential that I need to know my Maker? Is it essential that I need to know this Creator God, the One who saved me and called me? Is it essential? I believe it is. Paul writes this in the book of Ephesians. He's writing to this Ephesian church. And they were a church that was hungry for the gospel. And so the teachers and the, go- the apostles were teaching them and strengthening them. And Paul is so happy at their progress. And this is what he writes to them Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 17. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Just that last verse. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God gave us the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended post the resurrection. He ascended back. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to know Him better. Last week, we looked at how the Holy Spirit brands us and sets us apart for the new life in Christ. And today, we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit, how He works in us to help us know God better. In the Passion Translation, it says, deepening, to grow in deepening intimacy with Him. The Holy Spirit helps us to grow in deepening intimacy with Him. You and I cannot do the Christian walk without the Holy Spirit. If we try, we will fail. This was talked about by the prophets when they said, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. Anything we attempt to do in this era, our power, our might will fail us. It's the Holy Spirit who will help us. So the goal of having the Holy Spirit is to know God better because He gives us the wisdom and revelation to understand the scriptures, to understand God's will, to sense His ways. He is the one. So my question to you is, are you ready to get to know God through the Holy Spirit? We sometimes look at this Holy Spirit as the helper, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and enables us. But will you utilize the Holy Spirit for what his primary purpose is? And that is to probe the depths of God's heart, to get to know God better. I've often told you my story where it's one of having illness, growing up, having setbacks, growing older, having setbacks again in my health. And so, you know, consistently I've seen God the healer come through. But it's in the last 10 years or so that I've seen different attributes of God which has broadened my understanding and I know I've just scratched the surface. I see God now as a provider. I see God as a sustainer, the one who holds us up and keeps us from collapsing. The one who is a planner, who plans every detail of our lives to the greatest, to the minutest detail. I see God as the one who joins dots, who doesn't leave anything, you know, nothing's up to chance. I see the God of the future. I see Him as the God of my present the God who loves me beyond I can ever put words to it that's how much he loves me. So I have started seeing and I like I said, it's only scratching the surface. I know so little of God, but I look forward to the next 40 years or so of growing in my knowledge of Him with the Holy Spirit's help. And so I want to ask you this do you want to get to know God more? because when you know God more, there are three benefits just from Ephesians one it's not a con- it's not a you know a huge list. Just from Ephesians 1, when I look at Ephesians 1, there are three things that happen when I start to know God more and these three are very, very important. Why? Because when I start to understand these things, these are the tenets, so to speak, of the Christian life. When I have the Holy Spirit, He's giving me more wisdom. He's giving me more revelation to understand things that are way beyond my pay grade. And when I'm understanding these things, I begin to live a more wholesome and fulfilled life. A follower of Jesus cannot afford to do this journey without the Holy Spirit because if we try it, we'll be striving in our own strength and we will fail. And when we fail, we won't have the energy to even get back up. But as the Holy Spirit, as we will look at this now, it is the Holy Spirit who enables us to keep running, to keep running. So three things from Ephesians chapter 1 that I want to leave you with. We looked at when we don't know God, we miss out on perceiving His, His work. We don't discern His will. We also don't grasp the entirety of salvation. But when we do know God, when we do know God, we discover the hope to which we were called. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The word hope here is not, you know, when we say, Oh, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope tomorrow is a holiday. I hope that, you know, my, the costume turns out well. That's how we use hope in our, you know, everyday language. Hope is this amazing, amazing thing, which is the fuel for our faith. I can believe in Jesus, but hope says that believing in Jesus is worth it because he will stay the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hope tells me that he will not change like the shifting shadows. Hope tells me that better days are ahead. Hope tells me that this new season is going to be different. Hope tells me that in the middle of hardship, there is light at the end of this tunnel. That's what hope is hope is the fuel but more than that hope is realizing that there is a possibility for heaven here on earth right now our final hope is that there is eternity i have you know eternity with jesus it is amazing streets of gold mansions rewards yes that is my hope that is my ultimate hope but what is the hope for life on earth i believe that the hope that we have is that there's going to be consistently intersection between heaven and earth right now. You know when those moments happen? It's when you get healed from that one ailment you can't talk to anybody about. That's heaven touching earth. It's when that one relationship which was so frail gets restored. That's heaven touching earth. When that door closes and another opens, that's heaven touching earth. When a long-standing prayer was answered, heaven intersected with earth. When God outdid your plans and gave you something way better than you ever imagined, heaven just invaded into earth. That is hope. He talks about the riches of his glorious inheritance. So often we look at inheritance as something we get only after we die. While that is assured in Jesus, you are assured a glorious inheritance in heaven. I believe our inheritance starts right now. And that inheritance is incredible. It's protection. It's promotion. It's increase. It's also joy amidst pain. It's also laughter amidst tears. It's beautiful. The Christian life is so beautiful because all of it intertwines so effortlessly. When we know God, we discover the hope that we are called to. Your hope, is very important. What are you hoping in? Are you just hoping that the bad days will end? Why not begin to believe that in Jesus, there is victory assured. Stand in that victory. Are you believing for something? Big hope says that he will outdo them all. God will do more than you've asked or imagined. The second thing is that when we know God, we experience the power that we have access to. I love what it says in the message version, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. In the NIV it says, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. In the message it says, endless energy, boundless strength. If you live in a city like Chennai, you know what the heat does to you. You literally feel like, you know, like we used to have those Rasna ads where there's a straw that the sun puts on people's heads and sucks their juices out. That's what summer looks like in Chennai. It's already begun. And I was reading that and I was thinking, Lord, I want that endless energy, boundless strength. Because to run the Christian race, I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it with my own power. I need God's help. I need to depend on His strength. I need to tap into His power. A powerless Christian is an oxymoron because every Christian has access to the Holy Spirit. It's like having this amazing generator set up in your building, but it's not plugged in. Where is the power going to come from? That is not just your primary source, it's your backup source and everything else. You and I cannot afford to live the Christian journey and walk this life without the power of God. Too often... We have run on our own strength and faded out. We have literally drained our own batteries. But God is saying, come to me. The resurrection power dwells in you. Tap into that. Plug into that. The source to connect to that is the Holy Spirit. Invite him in. Ask him to flood your life with his strength. Jesus is the source of that power. The Holy Spirit helps us access that. So what happens? How does this tangibly translate into our lives? There have been seasons. I've watched friends. Marriages have crash-landed. They've ended. When they looked like they would collapse, a supernatural strength came into them. They were able to get up and go to work every day. They were able to look after their children in the middle of the, the debris of their lives. I've watched people... Pick up the pieces after dream jobs ended, when businesses closed down. How they woke up the next morning, I don't know. How they went on with their lives, I don't know. But I know that the power of God was evident, that it literally held them up when they couldn't stand. When you feel like you're ready to throw in the towel, you will feel a supernatural power come in and say, you can get up, you can do this. It will literally lift you up. It will hold you up when the world is collapsing around you. That's the evidence of the resurrection power. It doesn't mean that you're going to become like a superhero and fly here and there. No. As humans, we need rest. God rested. I need to rest. But on the days that I'm functioning, I'm functioning at high capacity purely because of the power of God at work in my life. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you are, whatever your life looks like right now, Will you ask God for his power? Will you tap into his strength? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you and me. What is our excuse? So when we know God, we experience the power that we have access to. The third thing, when we know God, we comprehend the authority that Christ holds. This is a big one. Ephesians 1 verses 21 twenty three, It says, I'm going to continue from the previous word, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. When I was reading this verse, I just had a renewed sense of awe for our God. Imagine this. He is seated so far high in the heavenly realms. He is above every ruler, every authority, every power, every dominion, every name that is invoked. You invoke anyone's name, Jesus Christ is above that. That is the level of his authority. It's amazing because that is how powerful He is no demon, no deity, no illness, no entity. Nothing stands a patch near our God. That's the God whose name is on our lips. Some of us are so stubborn to use the name of Jesus. We'd much rather use the name God. He gave us a name to call on. And that is the name that is above every other name. That is the name at which every knee must bow down before. That is the name at which demons shriek and shudder. Not at our names. It's not our name that is going to do anything. It won't trigger anyone. But the name of Jesus is so powerful that it makes every other name look like nothing. This is the God we worship. This is the God that I am in relationship with. When you know God, you understand the authority that he carries. For too long, we have been shaking in our boots about the enemy For too long, we've been saying, oh, if I do this one particular thing, the enemy will hit my family. If I pray too much, he's going to do this. If I serve him, it always happens like that. The warfare is too much, I can't handle it. The time is up. Like I said, the powerless Christian is an oxymoron. The Christian without authority is also an oxymoron because we have the authority that Jesus gave us. What is holding you and me back? Why are we still looking at the enemy like he is all-powerful? Why are we still shaking in our boots looking at him? We have the God, like David said, I have the God of angel armies. The rest of Israel quaked looking at Goliath. But David said, who is he? I serve the living God. What giant have you been facing and looking at and saying, I can't get over this. I don't have any authority. Maybe your mental illness. Has gotten to a place where you literally feel like it's broken your will to live. It has pulled you to your knees. Can I just say something? Our God is more powerful than anything, than any disease, than any kind of illness, than any kind of mental setback. He is more powerful. You serve a God whose name, at whose name demons shriek and leave. We have that authority in Jesus name. Let's use it. I love this verse because it says over here, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. If Christ is the head of the church and we are the body, it implies that under his feet means it's under our feet as well. The authority that Jesus had, he delegated it to us. If you've ever watched the traffic police in Chennai, Um, it's a life-threatening job because of the fact that nobody follows rules, people do whatever they like. And sometimes in certain signals, certain uh, spots in the city, we have volunteers who help them out. So the traffic police take a break or they're not at that signal and these layman volunteers come and stand there. Now these guys just wear a jacket which has, you know, the reflectors on it, but they don't have any kind of hand signal, nothing. They just come, they stand and they try to order traffic. And when you watch them sometimes... It's really sad because no one respects their authority. They're just ordinary laymen who come and stand there to help out. But you should watch sometimes when they are relieved and a police officer comes and stands in his stead. This is what happens. The minute the cop comes there with his uniform, with his badge, with his, you know, uh, he's got his the credit card machine to fine anybody. The minute he comes and stands in the middle, you should watch the way people's behavior changes. Why? Because he's carrying authority. He's got the delegated authority that the government has given him. When he stands there, people better listen to what he says. The poor layman volunteer doesn't carry that authority. You and I cannot keep behaving like that layman volunteer. Today, in Jesus, we have that authority. You can call on his name anytime, night or day. And he sends armies of angels to protect you. He himself, when he walked on earth, Jesus gave us the authority to drive out sickness and demons and heal people. He said, I give you all authority. Why are we walking around with our head bowed down, with our knees trembling, when we need to be walking strong and tall with the authority that was given to us? At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that he is Lord. So as I close, I want to leave this with you. This week we, we lost someone who is a giant in the faith. I call her Auntie Mariamma. Mariamma Auntie is Pastor Biju's mom. And she was a giant in the faith in the sense that she and her husband together planted hundreds of churches across the country. I had the profound joy of spending a week with her when we moved to Mumbai. And I had a, it was just like five days. I got a crash course in, in just Being around her and seeing the spirit of God active in her life. She was just recovering from cancer at the time. And I remember just spending time with her in the afternoons. We would shift, we were shifting our home. I would take the kids there, and I would spend time with her. And she would tell me story after story of God's work in her life and her obedience to God. And you know, she had single-handedly, with the Lord's help, delivered so many men and women of the demonic. And not just that. She loved people. Her home was always open. She entertained people. She housed the homeless. She looked after the broken. She helped the helpless. She raised four children along with her husband. Together she was his right hand. She helped uncle in the ministry throughout. But what really touched me was that she knew God intimately. She was soaked in his word. I would walk in every afternoon and she had a word for me. She had a scripture that she would give me. She had a lyric of a song in either Tamil or Malayalam or Hindi. She always had smiles on her face. She was walking through a painful season, but the season didn't define her. Her God did. That relationship with her God did. She would undergo chemo and she would lead nurses to Jesus she would come and be in recovery and be encouraging somebody or the other who walked into her son's house. And when we watched her, I was so young at the time, I was just 30, it was 10 years back. I remember thinking, wow, what a testimony. And I believe that's what Isaiah was talking about, that you are my witnesses, that you would know God intimately. Auntie was an effortless testimony for Jesus just because the power of God was active in her life just because she walked in the authority that she knew she had because of Jesus, just because she knew the hope of her calling. And she didn't want anyone to miss out on that hope. Anybody she met, she would say, do you know Jesus? You need him. And I want to ask you today, will you make this a year of getting to know God more, whatever your resolutions have been, maybe you've already broken your resolutions for the year, that doesn't matter. Would you keep this one resolution that you will grow in your knowledge of God? That you will ask the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, I want to know a little bit more about God today. I want to know a little bit more about you. Help me. Because if we did, the way we live will be so different we will see and experience heaven touching earth on the daily. We will walk in the power that is available to us. No longer will be plugged. Will we be plugging into all the wrong sources, friends, social media, people, relationships? We'll be so directly plugging in to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, for He is the source of all power. And then we will walk in that authority. No sickness can hold dominion over us. Will you walk through sickness? You could. Will you experience grief? You could. But that will not be the final word in your life. Jesus will have the final word because he is the one who's seated in the heavenly realms far above all principalities and powers, far above every name that has ever been invoked. So whatever your sickness is today, he's far above it. Whoever it is that has tormented you, trampled you, put you into the ground, his name is far above. He has the authority. He has the final say. The way you live will be different when you know God intimately. I would urge that this will be a year, 2024, as we've begun this month, it will be a year of knowing God deeper. Can I pray for you? Father in heaven, I just pray that each one of us here today, that, Lord, we won't be content with what we know of you. But this will be a year of going intentionally deeper with you, of getting to know you more and more, Lord. Deepen our intimacy with you. Holy Spirit, help us. Father, if we have been distant from you, if we have turned the other way because we didn't see you come through, we are sorry. We come back to you this, this year. We ask that we will pursue you. We thank you that, Lord, you have called us to seek you so that we will be found. You've said, call unto me, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things. For those of us who have been seeking answers, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us the answers we are seeking. For those who have turned to other sources today, today, I encourage you to turn back to Jesus, for He is the answer. He has the answers you need. He is what you are looking for. Father, I thank you that in your name, We have the authority. We thank you that in your name, there is so much power. Help us, Lord, to call on you, to call on you in the day of trouble, to call on you every day, to seek your face and to do your will. Help us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Even as you get into this week, can I just urge you that this will be your primary goal through the year. Whatever your resolutions are, primary resolution to know God more. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.